0: Good morning and welcome to the Thursday, January 4th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a podcast that's dedicated to uh, prayer, um, particularly out of a few different books, particularly uh, Valley of Vision, uh, devotion, uh, both from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we're trying out this year, um, Drawing Near by John MacArthur. It's a, a devotional Bible. It's devotions out of there, to the reading of scripture, reading in the LSB, and for bible study right now we're working through the gospel of john so um the faith comes from hearing podcast is a humble member of the christian podcast community you can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org a lot of great listening over there over 60 well-curated podcasts wide wide variety of topic areas all covered from a biblical worldview my brothers and sisters in christ over there doing a wonderful wonderful job um putting together content for the kingdom so definitely worth your while to get over there i would guarantee you you're going to find something over there you want to listen to and there's honestly a really good chance you're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. and i say that from experience all right well with it being our morning segment uh we're gonna we like like i said we use in our morning segment uh valley of vision and spurgeon's morning and evening for our devotion and then we do our scripture reading and then in our evening segment, we're going to do use a couple of different things. Like, like I said, we've been trying out a few different things and, and I hope you're enjoying the new music. Um, I changed up my music. Wanted to just try something different. We've been doing the same thing for what, uh, 16 months or so. So I wanted to try something different. I, I hope you like it. Um, I think, um, probably over at Spotify, what may be the only place that you can comment, but I, I'd welcome any comments you, you want to make about the podcast over there and I will do my best I you, you may be able to do it actually on um, um, uh, Christian podcast community as well you may be able to make comments there I don't remember um, but but I would I, I would love any comments if you need to go over to Facebook and you can look me up Wayne Floyd um, you can look me up and actually it may be Rodney Wayne Floyd Jr. I, I don't remember which but anyways and you can definitely leave me some comments there as well um because I post daily, I post these podcasts up there daily, these episodes up there daily. So you can definitely comment on there as well. I'm happy to take whatever constructive criticism you you provide, um, because it's definitely all about you and getting you exposed to the word of God and to prayer and devotion. It's to help us all get there and spend more time there. All right. Well, let's go ahead and open up uh, this morning segment. We're going to open up with the fifth day morning prayer because it's fifth day of the week. Uh, It's called the giver. Let's pray. Creator, upholder, and proprietor of all things, we cannot escape from thy presence and control, nor do, nor do we desire to do so. Our privilege is to be under the agency of thy omnipotence, righteousness, wisdom, patience, mercy, and grace. For thou art love with more than parental affection. We admire thy goodness, stand in awe of thy power, abase ourselves before thy purity. It is the discovery of thy goodness alone that can banish our fear. Allure us into thy presence, help us to bewail and confess our sins. We review our past guilt and are conscious of present unworthiness. We bless thee that thy steadfast love and attributes are essential to our happiness and hope. Thou hast witnessed to us thy grace and mercy, in the bounties of nature, in the fullness of thy providence, in the revelations of scripture, in the gift of thy Son, in the proclamation of the gospel. Make us willing to be saved in thy own way. Perceiving nothing in ourselves, but all in Jesus. Help us not only to receive him, but to walk in him. Depend upon him. Commune with him. Follow him as dear children. Imperfect, but still pressing forward. Not complaining of labor, but valuing rest. Not murmuring under trials, but thankful for our state. And by so doing, let us silence the ignorance of foolish men. Amen. All right. And from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, the morning devotion for January 4th. Um, let's see, the text is from Second Peter 3, verse 18. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in grace, not in one grace only, but in all grace. Grow in that root grace, faith. Believe the promises more firmly than you have done. Let faith increase in fullness, constancy, simplicity. Grow also in love. Ask that your love may become extended, more intense, more practical, influencing every thought, word, and deed. Grow likewise in humility. Seek to lie very low and know more of your own nothingness. As you grow downward in humility, seek also to grow upward, having nearer approaches to God in prayer and more intimate fellowship with Jesus. May God the Holy Spirit enable you to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. He who grows not in the knowledge of Jesus refuses to be blessed. To know him is life eternal, and to advance in the knowledge of him is to increase in happiness. He who does not long to know more of Christ knows nothing of him yet. Whoever hath sipped this wine will thirst for more. For although Christ doth satisfy, yet it is such a satisfaction that the appetite is not cloyed, but whetted. If you know the love of Jesus, as the heart panteth for the water brooks, so will you pant after deep draughts of his love. If you do not desire to know him better, then you love him not, for love always cries nearer, nearer. Absence from Christ is hell, but the presence of Jesus is heaven. Rest not then content without an increasing acquaintance with Jesus.' Seek to know more of him in his divine nature, in his human relationship, in his finished work, in his death, in his resurrection, in his present glorious intercession, and in his future royal advent. Abide hard by the cross and search the mystery of his wounds. An increase of love to Jesus and a more perfect apprehension of his love to us is one of the best tests of growth in grace. Wow, as they always are. What a wonderful one from, uh, Spurgeon. And, and it's very, very true that if we, tr- if we truly love Christ, we truly have a saving faith in Christ, then, then, then we should hunger and thirst to know and love him more. And if we don't, then we've got to, we got to be concerned about our salvation, because if we don't, that's actually more of a clear indication that we're not saved. And boy, do we need to be on our knees begging to be saved? All right. Well, our reading for the day Let's see we're going to be do, doing genesis 8 9 and 10 matthew 4 verse 12 psalm 4 and proverbs 1 verse 20 through 23 and i, I want to ask folks so i know this is a little aside but it's actually kind of funny so needless to say so we're doing this read the bible in a year plan for the podcast i'm also doing one i'm doing one um along with my pastor and some others Um, We all kind of choose our own read the Bible in a year plan, but we're doing our reading and our note taking in these Bibles. And then at the end of the year, we're going to hand them over, particularly to youth, um, to provide our notes, to provide a study Bible type of thing. Yes, I know you can go out and buy study Bibles, but this is, you know, this is from their own spiritual leaders that they interact with on a weekly basis. so funnily enough I'm, I'm using mcshane's which which we used um in 2022 for this program we used mcshane's we finished up mcshane's that year um and i read it every year i use mcshane's every year so i'm using that but did you ever notice the overlaps you get so you end up reading the same chapter three four times at the beginning of the year because of your different plans anyways just something i ran across if you do more than one bible reading plan and i do um, and I know a number of people that do. So, okay, anyways. So, again, Genesis 8 through 10, Matthew four twelve to the end of the chapter, Psalm 4 and Proverbs 1, verse 20 through 23. So, Genesis 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Then God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. Also the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed, and the rain from the sky was restrained and the water receded from the earth, going forth and returning, and at the end of 150 days the water decreased. In the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. Now the water decreased steadily until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains appeared. Then it happened at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent out a raven, and it went out flying back and forth until the water was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from him, to see if the water was abated from the face of the land. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of its foot, so it returned to him into the ark, for the water was on the surface of the earth. Then he stretched out his hand, and took it, and brought it into the ark to himself. Then he waited yet another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came to him toward evening, and behold, In its beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, but it did not return to him again. Now it happened in the six hundred and first year. In the first month, on the first of the month, the water was dried up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the surface of the ground was dried up. In the second month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth, and that they may be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by their families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to Yahweh, and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And Yahweh smelled the soothing aroma. And Yahweh said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. While all the days of the earth remain, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night, shall not cease. And God blessed Noah, Gen- sorry, Genesis nine, and God blessed Noah and his sons, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth, and on every bird of the sky, with everything that creeps on the ground, and all the fish of the sea, into your hand they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you, as with the green plant. I give all to you. However flesh with its life, that is its blood, you shall not eat. Surely I will require your life blood From every living thing I will require it. And from every man, from each man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. As for you, be fruitful and multiply." SWARM ON THE EARTH, AND MULTIPLY IN IT. THEN GOD SPOKE TO NOAH AND TO HIS SONS WITH HIM, SAYING, AS FOR ME, BEHOLD, I ESTABLISH MY COVENANT WITH YOU, AND WITH YOUR SEED AFTER YOU, AND WITH EVERY LIVING CREATURE THAT IS WITH YOU, THE BIRDS, THE CATTLE, AND EVERY BEAST OF THE EARTH WITH YOU, OF ALL THAT COMES OUT OF THE ARK, EVEN EVERY BEAST OF THE EARTH. INDEED I ESTABLISH MY COVENANT WITH YOU, AND ALL FLESH SHALL NEVER AGAIN BE CUT OFF BY THE WATER OF THE FLOOD and there shall never again be a flood to destroy the earth. Then God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I am giving to be between me and you, and every living creature that is with you, for all successive generations. I put my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. And it will be when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh, and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. So the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan these three were the sons of noah and from these the whole earth was scattered abroad then noah began to be a man of the land and planted a vineyard and he drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside his tent then ham the father of canaan saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside But Shem and Japheth took the garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned backward so that they did not see their father's nakedness. Then Noah awoke from his wine, and he knew what his youngest son had done to him. So he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. And he said, Blessed be Yahweh, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived 350 years after the flood. So all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Genesis 10 Now these are the generations of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, and Magog, and Madai and Javan, and Tubal, and Meshech, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, and Riphath, and Togarmah. The sons of Javan were Elisha, and Tarshish, Ketim, and Doadanim. From these the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, every one according to his tongue, according to their families, into their nations. The sons of Ham were Cush, and Mizraim, and Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, and Havilla, and Sabta, and Rama and Sabteca, and the sons of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. Now Cush was the father of Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before Yahweh. Therefore it is said, Like Nimrod a mighty hunter before Yahweh. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Calneh in the land of Shinar. From that land he went out to Assyria, and built Nineveh, and Rehoboth-ir, and Kalah, and Rezan between Nineveh and Kalah, that is the great city, Mizraim was the father of Ludim, and Anamim, and Lehabim, and Naphtuhim, and Pathrusim, and Kashluhim, from whom came the Philistines, and Caphtorim. Canaan was the father of Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusite, and the Amorite, and the Girgashite, and the Hivite, and the Archite, and the Sinite, and the Arvidite, and the Zimerite, and the Hamathite, and afterward the families of the Canaanite were scattered. The border of the Canaanite extended from Sidon, as you go toward Gerar, as far as Gaza, as you go toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and Adma and Zeboim, as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham, according to their families, according to their tongues, by their lands, by their nations. Also to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber, and the older brother of Japheth, children were born. The sons of Shem were Elam, and Asher, and Arpachshad, and Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram were Uz, and Hul, and Gether and Mash. Arpachshad was the father of Shelah, and Shelah was the father of Eber. Now two sons were born to Eber. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided. And his brother's name was Joktan. And Joktan was the father of Almodad, and Sheleph, and Hazarmaveth, and Jera and hadoram and uzal and dikla and obal and Abimael, and sheba and ophir and havilah and jobab all these were the sons of joktan now their settlement extended from mesha as you go toward sephar the hill country of the east these are the sons of Shem, according to their families according to their tongues by their lands according to their nations These are the families of the sons of Noah, according to their generations by their nations, and out of these the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. I'm sorry for any really bad pronunciations, those are a little tough. All right, Matthew 4, verse 12 to the end of the chapter. Now when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and lived in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali in order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet would be fulfilled, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now as Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, And Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. All right. Psalm four for the choir director with stringed instruments, a Psalm of David. a Psalm of David, excuse me. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O sons of men, how long will my glory become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and seek falsehood? Say la. But know that Yahweh has set apart the Holy One for himself Yahweh hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. Sin. Ponder in your heart upon your bed, and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in Yahweh. Many are saying, who will show us good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Yahweh. You have put gladness in my heart. More than when their grain and new wine abound, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Yahweh, make me to abide in safety. Finally, Proverbs 1, verse 20-23 Wisdom shouts in the street, she gives forth her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets she calls out. At the entrance of the gates in the city she utters her sayings. Now how long, O simple ones, will you love simplicity? And scoffers delight in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. The one making that statement is considered to be wisdom, by the way, if you didn't get that. All right. Well, that is our reading for the day. I thank you for spending this time with me. I would continue to pray um, that this time together for for us in prayer helps to bring us all to a better, um, to be more saturated in the scripture. Um, and do a better knowledge of it a a better a better um, memory of it Um, I know that's helped me while I haven't really worked hard at memorizing um, it has tended to the more and more I go through it the more and more I remember where things are all right well I hope you have yourself a wonderful day a wonderful Thursday I will continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer from Valley of Vision. This one is called The Great God. Let's pray. O fountain of all good, destroy in me every lofty thought. Break pride to pieces and scatter it to the winds. Annihilate each clinging shred of self-righteousness. Implant in me true lowliness of spirit. Abase me to self-loathing and self-abhorrence. Open in me a fount of penitential tears. Break me, then bind me up. Thus will my heart be a prepaid dwelling, for my God. Then can the Father take up his abode in me. Then can the blessed Jesus come with healing in his touch. Then can the Holy Spirit descend in sanctifying grace. O Holy Trinity, three persons and one God, inhabit me, a temple consecrated to thy glory. When thou art present, evil cannot abide, and thy fellowship is fullness of joy. Beneath thy smile is peace of conscience. By thy side no fear disturbs, No apprehensions banish rest of mind. With Thee my heart shall bloom with fragrance. Make me meet through repentance for Thine indwelling. Nothing exceeds Thy power. Nothing is too great for Thee to do. Nothing too good for Thee to give. Infinite is Thy might. Boundless Thy love. Limitless Thy grace. Glorious Thy saving name. Let angels sing for sinners repenting. Prodigals restored backsliders reclaiming, Satan's captives released, blind eyes opened, broken hearts bound up, the despondent cheered, the self-righteous stripped, the formalist driven from the refuge of lies, the ignorant enlightened, and saints built up in their holy faith. I ask great things of a great God. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful Thursday, and I hope to see you again for the evening segment. Have a good day. God bless. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Thursday, January 4th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right. For this evening segment, as I've been saying, we're doing do a little different. Uh, we do always close out with the Valley of Vision prayer, but we're going to op- We open up, up. We've been trying something new. Uh, the book is At the Throne of Grace. You can find it at gty.org. Um, oh, didn't think about it. I need to start editing the resources for my show notes. So I can put a link in there for you so you can go find this, but it's at the throne of grace. I'm sure, you're, sure you can get it at gty.org. Um, and it's a book of prayers. It's a book of prayers that were done by John MacArthur, but that his children assembled for him. Um, which I think is really, really neat. I, I think that's pretty cool. I, I remember my brother and I doing some things for my dad back in the day. My dad was not a pastor or anything, but assembling stuff, um, uh, you know, things, um, that was it was kind of cool, you know, because we, we very much loved and respected our father, um, who, who is no longer with us. But so what we're going to do here, we, we've been using to open up the evening segment prayers from this book. This one is called Praising God for What We Know. Now, please understand these prayers are kind of based out of biblical passages. So most of them lead in with the biblical passage. So I'm going to read the biblical passage. So, hey, it gives us even more um, text. <laughs> <laughs> to to uh, take in, which is great, is always great, the more time we're in the scripture, but we'll do that and then we'll pray. So the text here for this is 1 John 5, 13 through 20. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, I'm sorry. And if we know that he hears us, In whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All ungodliness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps sorry, keeps him. And the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, uh, in, I'm sorry. And we know him and I'm sorry, we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Sorry, this is done in um, um, italic, so it's a little harder to read, and it's small print. All right, so let's pray. Father, we lift up to you the last portion of First John 5, thanking you for John's repeated use of the word no. These things are written to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that we may know we have eternal life. We know that you hear us in whatever we ask. We know we have the requests we have asked from you in Jesus' name and in accordance with His will. We know that no one who is born of God continues in the same unbroken pattern of sin as before. We know that we are of God because we hear the voice of your Spirit in your word. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. O Lord, how striking it is that we know all the necessary things, who you are, who your Son is, what the gospel is, what salvation is, what sin is, What righteousness is, what it means to be born of God, what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be delivered from the power of the evil one, what it means to have eternal life. These things we know because you have given us revelation and illumined, sorry, and illuminated our understanding so that we might know with full assurance. The best of it is, uh, sorry, the best of it all is knowing you. The God of all comfort, father of mercies, our ever present God, eternal savior, Creator of heaven and earth, Lord of righteousness, Judge of all things, and Justifier of all who believe in Jesus. How unsearchable are your judgments and unfathomable your ways! You are unspeakably great and greatly to be praised. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. May we seek satisfaction in you alone. We bless you for the good news of salvation all its doctrines, insights, promises, and pleadings. By its truth we understand that we are hopelessly lost, but you sought and found us. We were poor and empty, but you have filled our cups to overflowing. We were in darkness, but you brought us into the light. We were in bondage to sin, but you brought us and and made us slaves to righteousness. You became for us a place of refuge, our fortress, our rock, and our redeemer. Make us to be bold reflections of the grace and holiness embodied in Your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Use both our lives and our lips to tell the world of His glory. We know that all things are in Your hands. You will not permit us to be tempted beyond what we are able, and You can use even the worst calamities of this life for our good and Your eternal glory. Yet we pray as Christ Himself instructed us to pray. Deliver us from evil. See us safely and speedily through all the trials that are so common in this life and deliver us from temptation forgive us lord for this week's sins wash us make us clean even as we worship you now in your son's name we pray thanking you again for what we know amen now i would assume he he probably did this um, during a worship service or that, that he was going to do a message based on that, or this came out of the end of the message. But the fact is, if we're sitting here doing a Bible study, we're worshiping him. If we're praying, if we're doing devotion, we're worshiping him. Don't ever forget that. All right. And as you'll see that prayer and what it contained and what it was about there in John, uh, first John, yeah, we're going to be talking about some of that from the gospel of John. But, and I'm sorry, I'm banging my microphone around here, uh, trying to open up the devotion. So our devotion for this evening segment is from Drawing Near, which is the MacArthur Devotional Bible. And what it does is it's a read the Bible in a year plan, but there's a devotion for each day. Now we're not doing the read the Bible in the year plan, but we're doing the devotion. So here we go. Um, The title for it today is Understanding Your Spiritual Resources, and the text is from Ephesians 1.4. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual b- blessing. As a, cre- uh, sorry. As a Christian, you possess every spiritual resource you need to fulfill God's will for your life. The story is told of a wealthy Londis- London businessman who searched many years for his runaway son. One afternoon, he was preparing a bo- to board a train to London when he spotted a man in ragged, dirty clothing begging for money from passengers along the station platform. His first impulse was to avoid the beggar, but there was something strangely familiar about him. When the beggar approached and asked if the man could spare a few shillings, the businessman realized he had found his long-lost son. With tears in his eyes and joy in his voice, he embraced his son crying, a few shillings, you are my son, everything I have is yours. That pictures many Christians who are ignorant or negligent of their spiritual resources. They are children of the King, yet live like spiritual paupers. Paul repeatedly emphasizes our sufficiency as believers. In Colossians 2.10, he declares that in Christ you have been filled. In Philippians 4.13 and 19, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Peter adds adds that God's divine power has granted us I'm sorry, has granted to all I'm sorry, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, second Peter 1: three. The word translated spiritual in Ephesians one: three speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit. Every blessing you receive, whether material or immaterial, has God as its source. As a Christian, you possess every spiritual resource you need to fulfill God's will for you. For your life, sorry, you need not pray for more love. For example, because His love is already poured out in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5 The same is true of joy, John 15.11, peace, John 14.27, strength, Philippians 4.13, and every other resource you need. The key to spiritual progress and victory is learning to apply what you already have, not seeking more. Suggestions for Prayer Praise God for His abundant spiritual resources. Ask him to help you apply them with wisdom and consistency. Um, And that's the thing we've talked about. I mean, this was John 15, 13, the, the, as far as the joy and then the peace, John 14, 27, again, and I absolutely agree with um, John MacArthur's um, devotion here. Um, We do have every spiritual blessing. We actually talked about it in our Sunday school class. We're given every spiritual blessing. Um, If you actually break down all the way through, Ephesians 1 you go all the way through that chapter you see repeatedly you know it says that in Ephesians 1 3 but as you go through it you see all the blessings that are provided for us they're enumerated there in Paul's epistle yet we act like we're paupers and what it means by paupers we act like we're poor in spiritual blessings and we are not and what an insult it is to our father and to his son to act that way all right well We are going to be continuing on in our Bible study in the Gospel of John. Uh, We're continuing on in John 17. And so we're actually dealing with, we've actually changed in our um, grouping of what we're doing here. Um, We were dealing with the real Lord's Lord's Prayer that, that was just kind of an intro to this, what's John 17, which is called the High Priestly Prayer, because Jesus is our High Priest, our Mediator. And he's acting in that capacity as part of this prayer. And we talked about the setting of the prayer, the substance of the prayer, and the significance of the prayer. Um, And just to remind us, you know, um, the Upper Room Discourse has completed that private ministry of Jesus to the disciples alone. All right. We've seen the public ministry through the the previous chapters from John 1 through John um, 12. Well, John 13, you know, and John 12 being the triumphal entry. John 13 and on. John 13 is, you know, start the upper room and he washes their feet. And we go on through that and he teaches them and he tries to boost them up. He tries to lift them up and show them and strengthen their faith that, yes, things are about to get really, really crazy for us. I mean, just speaking in our vernacular, things are about to get really, really crazy for you guys. And it's going to be really, really hard for you to understand and to take. But you need to understand this has to happen. This has to happen. Nothing to be freaked out about. It has to happen. And he he's even very, very clear in John 16, um, as we talked about um, back there. Um, oh, I need to find the verse. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Um Well, okay. Verse 33 is as good as any. Um, John sixteen thirty-three. These things I've spoken to you so that in me, you may have peace in the world. You have tribulation, but take courage. I've overcome the world. He's saying, no matter what your tribulation is, I've overcome the world. Meaning that his adopted brothers and sisters have overcome the world. Meaning his disciples have overcome the world. Um, he goes back in and I, I couldn't find, I'm, I'm trying to eyeball it really quick. Oh, um, here we go. Uh, verse 20. John 16, verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you that you will cry and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. He's very, very clear to them. Yeah, this is going to be rough. But it's going to change. And again, we get in, we go into the high priestly prayer again. um, Like I said, Jesus spoke these things. That's almost a therefore, because it points back at specifically John 16, but at the entirety of the things he has said to them from John 13 through John 16. So he's, in light of those things, he makes this prayer. And the crux of this prayer is that God glorify your son, that the son may glorify you. Okay, that, that is kind of the crux of the prayer. Um. Sorry, I'm about to... I wanted to bring something up so I could come back to it. I just thought of it. But so we're moving into a new section today. We're moving into a new section today. And like I said, um, God willing, it's going to take us into next week. And it's talking about Jesus' prayer and the eternal plan of God. And we talked about the significance of the prayer last night. And I I realized it was really kind of short, but that's the thing. The significance of that is that, you know, that, that, um, communication, that divine communication between two parts of the triune God. Communication within the Godhead and that these gentlemen were direct witnesses of it. And through this text, we are witnesses of it and how am- how amazing that is. And that's the significance of it. But the other part of the significance is that this is the eternal. They, they, Jesus here alliterates the eternal plan of God. And that he is stepping forward to complete this plan, and that in that stepping forward he will be honored. He truly understands this. This is not, this is not Jesus. Um. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you ever just sit there and and you go to try to pray, and maybe it's in a corporate setting, so you try to give the most, the most Christianized prayer you can. But it, but it's you know it, it's kind of just geez, I wonder how they're going to take this. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus here. He he knows exactly what's going on. He's not oblivious to what's coming. He knows exactly what's coming. But he knows in it, the Father will be glorified and he will be glorified in completing this work. But part of that, part of this prayer, part of him praying this, he's truly praying this so that you know, God will keep these disciples, and and God will, God had planned that already, but Christ is making clear in front of the disciples to request this. Because these these disciples don't understand. And again, I mentioned this last night, and I'm going to go ahead. I actually pulled the text up for it. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Even there in Matthew, Jesus makes very, very clear that Peter, and he makes clear their lack of understanding that Peter is focusing on man's interests. Again, like I've said, their culture, their culture saw the Messiah as somebody that saved them from worldly stuff, somebody that saved them from their worldly oppressors, their temporal, I, I use that term, temporal, fleshly oppressors. That's not what was meant. That's not who the Messiah was. That's not what the prophets proclaimed. If you truly read through the prophecies and put them together, he was meant to be a spiritual savior. That's who he's meant to be. And it's clear Peter doesn't get it. And I I, I have trouble bashing Peter because we if we were living in that society, we'd have been the same way. The entirety of Israel was that way, except John the Baptist, except maybe... Jesus' mother, as he's been born and have they been met, met by angels, you know. But these guys are struggling with it. And, and that's where it's at. And so he's trying to proclaim this. He's trying to proclaim this. So what we, what we end up seeing through this first part, again, we talked about this first part of the prayer, that it was an indication of Jesus praying for himself. And again, we talked about it. It's not him praying for himself in some selfish manner. He's praying that his works that these works would be completed for the purposes of God, to honor God and thus to honor him. So in these opening expressions, in, the, in these first five, five verses, Jesus references four facets of the saving purposes of God, each of which focused on the glory-producing work of redemption at the cross. Again, this horrific thing is actually what brings him glory. So what we're going to look at today is the right that Jesus possesses, that right that is given to him because of the work he is about to do on the cross. And, and that's what this prayer is about. Again, it is about God's plan. And that plan included Jesus being crucified. Some uh, The price had to be paid for the sins committed of those who would believe. They had to be paid. Somebody has to pay it the fact is somebody has to pay the price and either the the sinner pays it or Jesus pays it for those who believe Jesus pays it. So somebody had to pay it there. Um, Otherwise, otherwise there would be no believers and and God would just smite the world. I mean, why not just have a second flood? Except we just read about that. That God said he wouldn't do that. So he provided a, a means of salvation, which was Christ. That's John 17 is about that. So our verse for today, talking about the right he possesses, is verse 2. So let's read it. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh. Oh, so I'm sorry. Actually, you know what? I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 because 2 comes out of 1. Okay, John 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Okay, so he's very, very clear, even as you gave him him authority over all flesh. Now, this is very, very clear. He he, Jesus is the one that sits down on the great white throne judgment there in the end of Revelation. We just read through that not two weeks ago, as as we actually maybe even a little over a week ago, um, as we read through Revelation to finish out last year's reading the Bible in a year. It's Jesus that sits down on that great white throne and passes judgment. God hands judgment into Christ's hands. Now, when Christ came the first time, he was clear. I didn't come to judge. I came to bring salvation because he wasn't coming to judge then, but he's coming to judge the second time when he comes the second time. Um, And Paul is very clear about that in Ephesians. You look in Ephesians. um, Here we go. Uh, Start in verse 19 through verse 22. Ephesians 1 which he worked in Christ by raising him from the, I'm sorry, verse 19, let me back up. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us, this God, his power toward us who believe according to the working of the might of his strength, which he worked in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly places, giving him that seat of authority. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. That's over everything and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet. God put all things in subjection under Christ's feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. So again, all things are put under Jesus' feet. He is authority over all. So that, that's what John is recording here. Even as you gave him authority, this is what Jesus is saying. Even he's, when he's saying, even, even as you gave him authority, he's saying, even as you gave the son the authority, he's referring to himself over all flesh. And here's that right that we talked about, the right he possesses, that right that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Now we know what he's referring to there. All that you have given him, he may give eternal life. All that you have given him. And we see clearly the authority that Jesus has. Uh, Look back at John 10, um, starting in verse 17. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one takes it away from me, but from myself I lay it down. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. So, again, it's clear he's got the authority, but then we're also speaking of, like I I said, like I was trying to get to there, but I realized I missed something. He's speaking of that to whom you have given me. (coughs) Jesus is very clear in the Gospel of John, um, as it's recorded, that those who are given to him come, that those who are given to him come. Um, those given are those who come to a saving faith in Christ. Again, this is not meant for everybody. This is meant for believers and believers only believers and believers only. And it's that he has that authority that he can give eternal life. He can give eternal life. Um, and that he is the only way he is the only one that has that authority it's very, very clear, uh, John 14, 6, Jesus is very clear here. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's, that's supreme authority right there. I mean, yes, ag- agreed, he submits to the Father. And he does so because that's appropriate within, within how, how they work together in the Triune Godhead. Okay? But he has that authority. No one comes to the Father but through him. But through me, as he says, John 14, 6. He's very, very clear about that. Very, very clear about that. Um, and we go back to John 3, verse 35 and 36. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does, who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So again it, it continues to make clear what what Jesus is saying here in John 17 and that of course that was John in, or Jesus in John 3 that you know um, sorry that the father has given all things into the son's hand. He's put all things, he's given him that authority. And it's clear, as it said in John 17, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. So that one who's given him that relates to John 3:35 or 36, he who believes in the son has eternal life. So that's to believers only. And then it's clear, but he who does not obey the son, meaning does not believe, will not see life, meaning eternal life. But the wrath of God abides on him. He will have to pay for that sin. But that's what... Jesus is saying is that he has that right. He has been given that clear right, that clear right to dispense eternal life. And he knows that that comes through his crucifixion and resurrection, that he must go to the cross and he must be crucified. He's been, that's the thing. That's what he's been trying to communicate to these men for years now um, particularly within this last year, trying to make clear to them that this is where he is going. This is what is going to happen. that, that This has to happen. This has to happen to complete God's plan. So that as, as I mentioned the other night, and I forget which night it was, then it's very, very clear that when Jesus ascends into heaven, he takes up his seat at the right hand of God. He sits down because the work is done. But the work isn't done till he is crucified For our sins. And takes the wrath of God on himself. For those sins. But then dies. And is resurrected. Thus. Beating death. Thus destroying death. The only one who could. Thus he took the power of death. He took power over death. At that point. The war is won. I'm sure Satan thought, you know, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here, but can you imagine uh, this is just an opinion, but can you imagine Satan sitting there thinking, yes, because he's got Herod and he's got um, the, the priests, those who are supposed to be the religious elite, the pure, the pious, murdering the son of God. And sitting there basically, basically, you know, doing his Tebow or whatever, you know, whatever touchdown celebration and all that stuff. But then at the peak of what he thinks is his victory is his greatest defeat. Because at that, which looked like the greatest defeat of Christ, which even Peter, we saw that in the Matthew passage, that Peter thinks would be his greatest defeat that these guys are falling apart about is his greatest victory because he laid down his life to pay the price for our sins and then took it back up at the resurrection to have victory over death and victory over Satan. That is what gives him the authority here that he may give eternal life. That's the right that comes from. And that's what he's speaking of here at the beginning of this prayer. All right, well, that's going to do it for us for this evening. I hope you had a, uh, I I appreciate you being with me. I hope this has helped. I know I stuttered around a little bit, but I hope this helps us all to have a better understanding of this high priestly prayer and of the gospel of John. And uh, I hope you have a great evening. Let's go ahead and close out with the fifth day evening prayer. It's called protection. Let's pray. O Lord God, thou art our preserver. GOVERNOR, SAVIOR, AND COMING JUDGE. QUIETEN OUR SOULS TO CALL UPON THY NAME. DETACH US FROM THE INFLUENCE OF THE FLESH AND THE SENSES. IMPRESS US WITH THE POWER OF FAITH. PROMOTE IN A SPIRITUALITY OF MIND THAT WILL RENDER OUR SERVICES AS ACCEPTABLE TO THEE AND DELIGHTFUL AND PROFITABLE TO OURSELVES. BRING US INTO THAT STATE WHICH ATTRACTS THINE EYE AND PREPARE US TO RECEIVE THE PROOFS OF THY LOVE. SHOW US OUR DANGER THAT WE MAY FLY TO THEE FOR REFUGE. MAKE US SENSIBLE OF OUR SIN'S DISEASE that we may value the good physician. Placard to us the cross, that it may slay the enmity of our hearts. Help us to be watchful over our ways, jealous over our tempers, diligent over our hearts. When we droop, revive us. When we loiter, quicken us. When we go astray, restore us. Possess us with more of that faith, which is the principle of all vital godliness. May we be rich in faith, be strong in faith, live by faith, walk by faith, experience the joy of faith, do the work of faith, hope through faith, perceiving nothing in ourselves, may we find in the Savior wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful night, and I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a good night. God bless.